Well, it's really good to be here. I, I have, I'm, I'm really touched, and I really need this to be taller. <laughs> or else I'll be like this. Uh, and I, I have a little bit of a confession. It's like, I, I try to not pay attention to how good it feels to be here. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's because I am, I, am, I am not here. I am not regularly part of this living and growing community. But many of you know that I was here in almost the very beginning of this congregation. And you, all of you, whether I haven't even met you or whether I've known you for years, you will always be in my heart. And I will always be part of your history, even if you don't know about me. <laughs> So this morning, I'm on Father's Day, which seems like a good day to talk about nurturing. I'm coming to it from several different directions, and I hope they all tie up at the end. And I'm, and I'm thinking this morning that Bridge Over Troubled Water is a perfect Father's Day song, which I hadn't really thought of before. But think about if the singer is a dad. Isn't that what we want for our dads to be nurturing like that? Or for the dads yourselves to be nurturing like that, even when you have teenagers. (laughs) So those several different directions. The animated family film, The Rise of the Guardians, I learned from Ken about using movies as the text for worship, and I love doing it. And because I have a building at the church I serve, the Church of the Restoration in Philadelphia, and because of the what I learned here, and also the help from the Chalice Lighters Committee and Carl Bader, we have great AV equipment. So I show, yes, we I show a movie at my congregation once a month on a Friday night, and then try to tie that into the worship theme on the Sunday morning. And, and so um, we watched The Rise of the Guardians not long ago. So I'm going to talk about that and Buddhism. And I'm going to start here with a poem about ripped jeans and also talk about some of my own recent life experiences. But this poem by a guy named Steve Cowett called Notice. This evening, the sturdy Levi's I wore every day for over a year and which seemed to the end in perfect condition suddenly tore. How or why, I don't know. But there it was, a big rip at the crotch. (laughs) A month ago, my friend Nick walked off the racquetball court, showered and got into his street clothes, and halfway home collapsed and died. Take heed, you who read this. And drop to your knees now and again, like the poet Christopher Smart, and kiss the earth and be joyful, and make much of your time, and be kindly to everyone, even to those who don't deserve it, or although you don't believe it. It will happen one day. You too will be gone. I whose Levi's ripped at the crotch for no reason, assure you that such is the case. Pass it on. So 
I told you at my congregation we have Friday family film nights? I use the website, Spirituality and Practice. What you haven't seen is actually quite a good one. They list a number of regular spiritual practices and give you mantras and practices and articles and movies related to the practice. And they recommended The Rise of the Guardians as a spiritually literate film about nurturing love and play. How many of you saw that movie? Would you? Not very many. Yeah, it, it, it's, the commercials for it didn't make it seem very attractive. <laughs> but it's actually pretty good. It is about love and nurture, and it's about dreams, and it's about self-discovery. Now, the guardians are Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and the Sandman who brings happy dreams. At this particular point in history, the boogeyman has gained a great deal of strength and is countering the guardians. The boogeyman plans to take away all happy dreams and substitute only nightmares and fear and despair. Think of that. Take away all happy dreams. The guardian's job is to bring light and hope, but they need to be believed in in order to bring that life and hope, light, life, hope. If kids stop believing in wonder and in hope and dreams go away, there will be nothing but fear and darkness. Let me say that again in a slightly different way. This is a quote from the movie. But this, if parents, if grown-ups, if grandparents, if aunts and uncles stop believing in wonder and hope and dreams go away, there will be nothing but fear and darkness. So in the movie, a new guardian is called into duty to join the fight against the boogeyman, and that's Jack Frost. The film shows the nurturing and the growth of Jack Frost, who's pictured as a youth, as well as it shows nurturing and care for the children of the world. Now, Jack Frost doesn't really know who he he is, and no one believes in him or sees him except the other guardians and the boogeyman. Frost, Jack Frost wonders, because he has no memory, who Why was I alive? Why was I here? And what was I meant to do? Part of him wondered if he would ever know the answers to those questions. Why am I here? No one even sees me. No one believes in me. Two, he asks two, how can I know who I am until I find out who I was? So Jack gets a kind of nurturing from the other guardians. When he meets them, Santa Claus, who's pictured as this big sort of Russian guy, Santa Claus asks Jack, what is your center? And to demonstrate a center, Santa gets nesting dolls, Santa nesting dolls. He takes them apart until he says, Here's my center. My center, Santa says, is wonder and awe. Jack has no idea what his center is. 
But he does discover it through the course of the movie. And that center is what he communicates to children and to the other guardians so that the nurturing of him becomes circular and he nurtures back. His center is fun and joy and playfulness and beauty. He gets a great joy from creating beautiful patterns of ice in the world. And from having kids zoom around on ice. Wonder, fun, joy, dreams, fight, nightmares, fear, despair. At the end of the movie, Jack teaches the children that love is still present and very real even when you don't see the loved one. A message that everyone needs to learn, children need to learn, and we need to remember, even when we are not with the ones who love us, who we love, the love doesn't die. Jack managed to show everyone, even the stressed and distressed Easter Bunny, who's like this tough Australian outback cowboy. (laughs) Not how I pictured the Easter Bunny. But, that, but he managed to show the Easter Bunny that play is important, and he, and he even wins the Easter Bunny over. So this, this really is a kind of nurturing, it, nourishing, cherishing, comforting, encouraging each one to grow and develop into our own unique selves, encouraging knowing one's dreams and not giving power to suffering and nightmares. Suffering and nightmares are there all the time. We choose whether or not we will give them attention and power. And this really is one of the, well, the core teaching of Buddhism. Buddhism encourages care for the self and for others. Pema Chodron wrote recently an article, Four Keys to Waking Up. And she says those keys are to stabilize your mind, to be present, to be right here, right now. And not get lost in anxiety or fear, sorrow and guilt, which are always waiting for us. Some of us are more prone to the sorrows, others to the anxieties, but they're always there. Children said also to make friends with yourself, to be gentle and nurturing to you. Offering yourself unconditional friendship, care and love. Children didn't say that. Well, yes, she does. Never mind. I'm getting to that. (laughs) To be free from fixed mind, that is to be open to new perceptions, new learning, new possibilities in every moment. The potential of your life, of your human life, is enormous at any point in life. This is the part, that that taking care of yourself then allows you to take care of others. Life is full of suffering. And when we allow ourselves to recognize that we are not alone in suffering, then, in fact, we can be compassionate to everyone. The Buddha's teachings himself were all about encouraging healthy, compassionate living. I I, I actually think of Buddhism largely as as a really solid psychology It encourages authentic love, happiness, and joy while recognizing that we get hurt and we suffer. And it recognizes our own responsibility in creating or maintaining some of that suffering. Stuff happens. It hurts. 
But when we dwell on it, we suffer more and we don't have to. Here's a couple of things directly from the Buddha. He said, all that we are is the result of what we have thought. The mind is everything. We, what we think we become. Have compassion for all beings, rich and poor alike. Each has their suffering. Some suffer too much, others too little. The too little part. The only real failure in life not to be true to the best one knows, and peace comes from within. Do not seek it from without. And finally, from the Buddha for right now. Thousands of candles can be lit by a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be diminished. Happiness never decreases by being shared. So I said I also wanted to talk about some of my recent past experiences. Now, we all know, unless you lived in Florida this winter, that this was a horrible winter. I have to tell you, having spending time in the city of Philadelphia. They do not pave the side streets in the city of Philadelphia. I drove my car over this much ice for weeks at a time, and my poor car is still suffering. Uh, So in this past March, I got really sick. I got a bronchitis that kept me doing nothing but coughing and sleeping for at least 10 days. I coughed so much, I didn't even know this was possible. I coughed so much, I injured my back. Have you ever... The doctor's nodding. (laughs) I did see the doctors. They did give me treatment. (laughs) So there were nasty bugs around, and it was a hard winter. But I think, too, that I stopped paying attention to things that I know. I think I let myself get vulnerable to this illness by working too much, thinking too much about the things that I hadn't yet accomplished. That is, worrying about the things that I hadn't yet accomplished. Getting exhausted, not playing enough, not giving enough time and attention to my spiritual practices. So this is a confessional sermon. As I was recovering, I read Barbara Brown Taylor's book, An Altar in the World. Taylor was an Episcopal priest, and this book, she writes about leaving the priesthood because she had not been taking care of herself, not playing, not paying attention to the beauty of the world or doing her spiritual practices. Funny how sometimes the right reading comes to you at the right time. Or maybe just that I'm better able to pay attention at some times. Taylor wrote this. She said, many years ago, a wise old priest invited me to come to speak at his church. What do you want me to talk about? Good question, she asked. Come and tell us what is saving your life now, he answered. It was as if he had swept his arm across a dusty table and brushed all the formal china to the ground. I didn't have to say the correct things. I didn't have to use the right theological language. All I had to do was figure out what was saving my life now, what my life depended on, and then find some way to talk about that that helped my listeners figure out those same things for themselves. 
She says, what's saving my life now is the conviction that there is no spiritual treasure to be found apart from the bodily experiences of human life on earth. My life depends on engaging in the most ordinary physical activities with the most exquisite attention that I can give. My life depends on ignoring all the supposed distinctions between the sacred and the secular, the physical and the spiritual, the body and the soul. What is saving my life now is becoming more fully human, she wrote. Trusting there is no way to God apart from real life in the real world. Right where we are. In April, recovered, I went to a minister's retreat, one I've gone to for several years while I was a student. And I remembered that as a minister, I mean as a student, I heard many ministers talking about being exhausted at this point in the year. I didn't, I mean, you understand that. I didn't fully understand it as I did now. This year I heard a colleague tell another, neither one of them were Ken, (laughs) that sabbaticals are to help us to remember what it is to be human. Reflecting on my reading, on my recent experience of being sick, and on what I already knew, I thought, wait a minute. I, we, sabbatical, we don't need to wait for vacation, we don't need to wait for retirement, we don't need to wait for whatever it is we need to wait for in our heads to remember our dreams, to remember being human, to remember what saves our lives, or in Wellspring's language, what it is that charges you full of the charge of the soul. So I just want to say thank you to the Wellsprings community for offering Ken You're a sabbatical. And thanks to Ken, pass this on please, Teresa, for taking that sabbatical. (laughs) Because it's good for all of us that he take a sabbatical. So I ask you to remember. To remember what's saving your life now and to live and live your life. Say yes to that which is yours to say yes to and not the other stuff. When you nurture yourself, don't give energy to your pain and suffering. You can nurture others too. Because we are all in this together and we need one another. We need one another to live, to dream, to play. I want to repeat a piece from that poem. Take heed, you who read this, and drop to your knees now and again, like the poet Christopher Smart, and kiss the earth and be joyful, and make much of your time, and be kindly to everyone, even those who don't deserve it. For although you may not believe it will happen, you too will one day be gone. I, whose Levi's ripped at the crotch for no reason, assure you that it is so. Pass it on. Amen. Ashe, may you live in blessing. Will you join me in prayer? God of our deepest yearning, 
great gracious mystery. Thank you. Thank you that we are here together in this lively congregation on this beautiful June morning. Help us to remember, in fact, to live, to remember what's saving our lives, to remember what charges us full of the charge of the soul. Help us to remember and to pass it on, because life is for the living. We can teach, comfort, encourage ourselves and each other. And sometimes we need those nudges the light on the path, the guidance to do so. Help us to remember. This is my prayer for us this morning. We pray in all the names of the holy, all the names of the teachers. Amen. Blessed be.